Welcome to Perfectly Unfiltered, the podcast where I have perfectly unfiltered conversations with real people sharing real stories about redefining roles at home and in the workplace. I will also be talking with changemakers, learning what they are doing to open the doors for women and the realities of creating a diverse and inclusive workforce. Together, we can build a community where we all win. I'm your host, Noor Haitian Fawaz, and this is Perfectly Unfiltered. Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Unfiltered. I'm your host, Noor Haitian Fawaz, and I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome Karen McPherson to the show. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Thanks for reaching out after listening to our first episode and sharing how our message resonated with you. I'm going to share your bio with our audience, and then I'd like to kind of dig a little bit deeper about your career journey and some of your lessons learned and advice that you have for those that are tuning in. Sounds good? Sounds great. Wonderful. So Karen McPherson is a femme queer woman living in Halifax, Nova Scotia the unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq. She grew up in rural New Brunswick and has lived on the East Coast her entire life. Out of high school, she went to university where she got her Bachelor's of Arts degree in Environment and Society Studies and Anthropology. After her degree, she worked with environmental not-for-profits, and it was interesting and a lot of fun, but sometimes hard to find funding for the work she was doing. Something that Belgium could definitely relate to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In 2018, she decided to go back to school to take a trade. She went to Nova Scotia Community College for a two-year electrical technician program, and she is now a second-year construction apprentice electrician. She has some experience working in industrial and residential. She is most interested in renewable energy and changes homeowners can make to reduce their electricity bill, which I feel also comes back to your environmental studies as well. She hopes to one day have her own electrical company installing solar with women members of the queer community. Such an inspiring story. I have so many questions to ask about your pivot and what got you into the electrical trade. So thank you so much for joining us to share your career journey with us today. No problem. So first... Talk to me about you going into the university program, literally investing probably a ton of money. And then, you know, what led you to say, okay, I need to make a career change and then going into a trade, what influenced that decision? Mm -hmm. I guess I was kind of looking, I was working the nonprofit, like, you know, not making a ton of money. I was kind of looking at doing a master's program, but I didn't love researching and writing. So it's kind of not really feeling that. I guess I get more inspired when I realize that electricians install solar. And that was really my like kind of aha moment. I was like, I think that's what I want to do. Like I want to be an electrician. So yeah, I just kind of started to research it more. I talked with some people at my like nonprofit job that I was working and one thing kind of led to another and I decided to apply. Okay. I can totally resonate with the not-for-profit world and not making a ton of money. (laughs) (laughs) And also just the amount of research required in a master's program. 
I just want to applaud you for your courage and, and really stepping out of the comfort zone and the typical path that someone might take along this journey and really saying, okay, well, what other field really aligns with my passion in environmental work, but then also can spark something I enjoy doing on a day-to-day basis. And it's really interesting that you pursued the electrical path. And you're right, it really aligns well, especially in the direction of that we're going with eco-friendly and green, a more green environment. How was everyone's response when you did talk, say that, you know what, I'm going to go into the electrical trade? Like what advice did you get? Did you get a lot of surprise looks or like, how did it go? I feel like, yeah, a lot of people were kind of surprised or just like, you know, it's kind of a random, not really the path that you were going on, but I don't know. It was just kind of like, whatever it feels, it feels right. And it feels what I want to do right now. And, you know, it kind of aligns with everything that I was looking for. Like, I just wanted to help people and like help the environment in some way. And also just kind of work with my hands or like just building something seemed more rewarding, I guess. And had you done that in grade school or high school? Had you worked with tools growing up? Like what exposed you or made you aware that you enjoyed working with your hands? I hadn't really used tools or anything growing up. That was probably the biggest hurdle for me in community college to get over was just like working with tools and, you know, what was the best tool for the job. But sorry, what was the other part of the question? No, that's okay. Had you taken any courses in grade school or in high school, like any tech shop classes or hands-on classes that helped you get exposure into the trade? I guess it was kind of in my university degree. I did forensic anthropology as a minor, really random, but definitely was very hands-on, just like identifying animal bones. And like my teacher was just really awesome. So I actually got to work with her and do a lot of like hands-on work. So I kind of feel like that might've sparked my like hands-on interests. What supports did you feel were there or weren't there while you were in high school? Like had the trades ever been an option during that discovery stage? I don't think really for me, I like, I don't know, I guess I kind of took the harder courses in high school, like chemistry and physics. I went to a small high school, so those were considered the harder courses. But, you know, I kind of talked to my guidance counselor and my path was just automatically to go to university because I had taken these harder courses, like trade school or community college wasn't even really thought of as an option, which is kind of a letdown, but I don't know. I did really enjoy and learn a lot in my university degree. So So I want to dive a little bit deeper with that in terms of the trades now that you're in it and can compare it to your post-secondary path and journey. And then recognizing that, you know, the trades wasn't even a discussion you had with your guidance counselor. And, you know, certain courses were deemed the hard courses, which meant that you automatically went to university. What advice do you have now for educators to better or to help improve this pathway for students to even just paint a picture or plant a seed to say, you could go, like you do have 
the option to go to university or college, but there's also this apprenticeship pathway if you really enjoy exploring that, despite the fact that you're great at chemistry, despite the fact that you're good at physics, because it's one thing to be good at something. It's another thing to enjoy that and to see yourself in that role for 40, 50 years. (laughs) So what advice do you have having gone through that? I mean, I guess like the main thing is just you got to give everybody both or all the options, you know, regardless of what courses they've taken. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. (laughs) So for someone that like just took that pivot, maybe I'll change the question slightly in terms of the advice. And you look at some of the stigma around the skill traits. So you already went to university, you got a job, like related, somehow relatable to your field, but realized you wanted to do a little bit more, you want to make a little bit more money. What advice do you have for those that are like, well, you know, the typical stereotypes, the trades aren't for smart people, the trades are low paying or just dirty labor, all those Mm -hmm. stereotypes that we paint the trades with help the audience break those stereotypes and change their mindset about the actual amazing opportunities within the trade, whether it's financial, whether it's rewarding, whether it's the benefits, the opportunities. Yeah. I mean, like some of the most intelligent people I know are people I've met working in the trades. Like, yeah, I guess that stigma really, I'm just like, what? Cause I mean, there was a lot of times when I did not feel very smart when I was learning, you know, and I was just like, this is hard. <laughs> like I, I just, yeah, that stereotype does not, I don't like it. <laughs> I love that you said some of the smartest people I know are in the trade. Interestingly, like I used to work at a, our local college running one of the pre-apprenticeship skill trades programs. And I would evaluate with the professors and their instructors, just, you know, students' progress. And there's some were like, I'm a university graduate. I did my master's and I was amazed at how difficult some of that content is. Just the work that's involved, the intellect, the experience you need. It really even changed my perspective. Like I didn't have that stigma, but watching it unfold on a college campus and then seeing students then enter the workforce gave me much greater appreciation for the trades. Mm -hmm. And then every now, like every time I get a chance to talk to families or stakeholders, I look at, I mention everything we touch has been touched by a tradesperson. If you really think that the roads we drive on, the buildings we walk into. Exactly. So how do we, you know, really shed a light? And, And you look at COVID and the pandemic and we leaned heavily on and depended heavily on our trades people to help support the PPE shortage, whether it was machinists and mold makers helping manufacture, whether it's ensuring that hospitals, campuses were built within a week. Those were all tradespeople that really stepped up and supported the response that was much needed in such a difficult time. Beyond just the stigma around the path to get into the skilled trades, have you faced any additional challenges? once you entered your community college or your apprenticeship? I mean, I guess the biggest challenge for me was just getting the technical skills. Yeah, I kind of like I had like the better like soft skills, I guess. And it just seemed like everyone in my class was really handy and like quick. And I was just like, 
oh, this is never, this is never going to click for me. But, you know, eventually it does. You just have to, I don't know, I guess I kind of understood more that those skills are more learnable or are easier to like improve on your technical skills. But the soft skills are kind of, you know, those are just the best to have that not everybody has in our not as easy to gain. <laughs> so true. And, and that's something we hear often from our industry partners in terms of, I will, mm-hmm. I will train for technical, get me someone with the soft skills I need, mm-hmm. um, the ability to communicate, show up on time, take accountability, problem solve. Those are things I can't necessarily train for, but technical, mm-hmm. no problem. And I feel that that's a strength that you know, those are also doing career changes or that I've gone through the post-secondary path and now considering the trade bring to the industry. What was it like in your community college environment, not having the same background or experience using tools as your peers? Did you feel that you got a lot of support from your peers? How did you develop the confidence to then recognize it's okay that you're going to make mistakes along the way, but this is part of the trade. And like, what tricks did you have up your sleeve that helped you stay down this path? I mean, like I really did have a great class. Like they were all awesome. We actually, out of 20, we had four women in the class, which I honestly think just made the dynamic like awesome. Like we just kind of got everybody out of their shell and we really just turned into like a big family. It was so like, if I ever really had any problems and didn't really want to go to the teacher, you know, I just go to a friend and be like, Hey, I can't, like, I can't figure this out. Like, can you please help me? And it usually worked out in my favor. So (laughs) that's great. And then now that you're in the industry working as an apprentice, how has that been? How has that transition been? It's been pretty good. I guess because of COVID, it was a little harder to kind of get into the field since I finished my program in June. So that was kind of still on lockdown. So it was a little, it was a little weird to try to get a job. But once I was in the field, it was pretty good. Like my coworkers, let's my journeyman, he had the mentality that I'm going to get you to do something, but first we're going to do it together. And then you're just going to go do it by yourself because I was working with quite a small team. So I really did actually appreciate that a lot, you know, working together on it to figure out the best way to do something and then just kind of go on afterwards and do it myself. So you graduated in June in the middle of a pandemic. And then how quickly did you find a job? I started in the beginning of July. So Technically, school ended in about, with like programs and stuff, ended in the end of April. So we had like, yeah, we were done the end of April and graduated in June, but I guess it was the beginning of July. That's really impressive to be able to have found employment as quickly as you did. What's it like now being in the field and working towards an apprenticeship in your ticket? And what have you learned in the last few months? Actually, now it would be almost five months mm-hmm. being an electrical apprentice. Well, actually, like to help me get employment was through the help of other women. It was during like a Zoom call. So that was really awesome. 
it was with the office to advance women apprentices was having like a virtual meet and greet or whatever. So that was really awesome. And your question was what it's like to be an apprentice now. Yeah. I mean, my position, I guess I wasn't doing the same thing every day, which was really great. I got to see a lot of different job sites, what a lot of different job sites were like, what a lot of different jobs were like commercial, industrial, residential. So that was really great. Also was hired around the same time another female apprentice was hired. So, I mean, that just made it awesome too. Like we got to work together all the time and I don't know, I just think it's better when you can work with other women. (laughs) Why do you feel that's important, especially in a trade that is so heavily populated by men and so underrepresented by females? Well, that's it right there. Like, because there's so many men and it's, I guess it's just, you know, it's a little scary to be out there on the job site all by yourself and have like no one else to really understand, you know, someone, maybe someone's like staring at you a little too long or is asking you weird questions, you know, (laughs) it just is better. And I think women kind of get it more than men do, I guess. So having that <laughs> that network of support is really important. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You know, having gone through the educational pathway and then accessing certain resources like the Office of Women Apprentices, Helping Women Apprentices, is that what you said it was called? The Office to Advance Women Apprentices. To Advance Women Apprentices. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see happen or what advice do you have for us to further support women in considering this as a viable career option? I mean, I think having female role models, like I didn't really know a lot of women who were in the trades, but I think that when people see women in the trades or other people who aren't usually in that position, then they're like, oh, you know, I can actually do that. I guess it's like having that positive role model, like seeing more of that for high school and like young people. What could companies do to help diversify their industry and create more inclusive environments so that women feel that they belong in those trades? I guess just having like supports for women, like bathrooms on job sites. (laughs) That was definitely a problem I ran into sometimes. Just, you know, thinking twice that not everyone can just like go behind the house and pee. It's kind of weird for a woman to do that. Also, I just think maybe having resources that women can lean on kind of if they are in a weird situation at work, like not HR, but I guess like a process they can go through maybe if something comes up that helps them to stay like safe and like feel okay if like certain situations happen. I know that's kind of hard for a lot of small businesses, but just kind of makes people feel better, I think. Those are really great suggestions, especially like our motto is you can't be what you can't see. So it's really important for us to share stories like yours to help encourage, support, and empower other young women to see themselves in these pathways. Yeah, interestingly enough, the bathrooms on job sites, like the, in the construction industry or just even like in the manufacturing industry, mm-hmm. recognizing that sometimes shop floors didn't even have a female facility. 
mm-hmm. and how could, that could be problematic from an environmental perspective. And then I love the idea of the resources for women. So it may not be necessarily the HR office within that company, but like where could a female apprentice reach out to, to then get guidance or advice or support on how to handle situations, like mm-hmm. perfect advice. You said one of the reasons you pivoted was recognizing that you didn't make a lot of money in the not-for-profit world. What's it like now financially? Like, what does the outlook look financially for you in the trades as an electrician? And I mean, without having to give us your hourly wage, what's it been like in terms of your salary? I think it's been, it's like, it's definitely looking up now. My, I actually, I just got laid off from my previous job and working in electrical. And the pay wasn't great, but I recently just got a job offer for a different electrical company and the pay raise, I was just like, holy smokes, like (laughs) this is real life now. (laughs) Like, so I'm pretty excited for that. That's amazing. So you're starting a new position. Yes. Yeah. Next year, I guess, January, 2021. (laughs) Congratulations. So awesome. I'm so happy for you. And that's, that's incredible to see just like in terms of like five months later, you're getting a new job and more pay. For those that may not necessarily understand the lingo that we're using in terms of apprenticeship and like going to college and then finding an employer, I think that's still like an unrelatable mm-hmm. term because for example, when you go to university or you go to college, those typical programs, you're applying for the program and then you're getting accepted into the program. You graduate and then your job is to apply for as many jobs till you land on something you like or till you land on an employer that hires you. With mm-hmm. the apprenticeship, it's on the job learning. Mm-hmm. Can you help someone understand that process? What does it take to really apprentice? Because you technically need an employer to apprentice you mm-hmm. to work towards your ticket. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like step by step? What does apprenticeship look like? Yeah. I guess the first step is finding someone who will support you in the apprenticeship. You have to apply to the apprenticeship agency. So I guess there's different blocks. So when you go to school, you get credited for so many hours and then you have to work in the field so many hours before you can complete a block. And then, so after you complete your first block, you go back to school for I think it's seven to nine weeks and you're in class getting taught by a teacher about all the things that you just kind of were doing in the field and you just keep doing that until you get your hours for your ticket and I guess another important thing with apprenticeship is the ratio for journey person to apprentice I believe it's one-to-one in Nova Scotia Yeah, I think so. So you're always working with someone else who already has their ticket. Just so I guess the whole apprenticeship thing is that you're being an apprentice for someone like learning from them is basically what apprenticeship is, eh? Yeah. And really well put in terms of on the job learning, it's 10% in school, 90% on the job, which Mm -hmm. really helps you start to make money as soon as possible. So for those that may not want to acquire debt, there's so many grants from the government 
for your starter kit when it comes to the tools you need or scholarships to pay off your apprenticeship registration. So after you complete the first year of apprenticeship to entice people to go continue on their journey, you the government also provides you a subsidy or a bursary to continue along that journey. So there's so many options for you. But the main thing is that it's you earn while you learn and that in order to apprentice, you need an employer to hire you on to start gaining those hours. And it typically takes four to five years to get your journey ticket, which then the wages really mm-hmm. yeah, uh, through increase. each block, I guess. I know that in Nova Scotia, you earn like a percentage of your journey person's wage as you go up each block. Yeah. That's just like, yeah, that's what the apprenticeship agency has like in their act. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other final advice or comments you want to make along your journey regarding your journey? Is there a piece of advice you want to give to young women that are unsure about their career path or don't know how to find their passion? Having gone to university now being in the trade, any lessons learned that you want to share? I mean, I think just go for it. It doesn't hurt to do a little research and maybe talk to people who are like in the field that you're interested in, but you know, anyone can do it. It might be not what you're used to, but yeah, just, you got it. Just keep going. Love it. Love it. Well, Karen, if anyone has any questions regarding your path, where could they find you? Are you on any social media outlets? Could they email you? What would you best recommend? Sure. I can get a message on email. Sure. Okay, perfect. So we'll add that into our show notes. I just want to thank you so much for coming on Perfectly Unfiltered to share your career journey as an electrical apprentice and your passion for connecting the environmental work and your skill trades passion together. I look forward to hearing more about your pivot in the new year with a new employer. And we'd love to have you back on our show when you own your own company as an electrician, supporting more women entering the field. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you.